Good morning. Good morning. It's so good to be here this morning. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord today. And I will try to make sure I read the scripture this morning. And for some reason, <laughs> I just kind of get going and sometimes I miss things. So I apologize for that. So we'll try to do better this week. Uh, again, just want to welcome everyone here this morning. And uh, we only have a couple of announcements or one in particular that I'm aware of. And, um, and that would be the uh, business meeting uh, coming up this Thursday, this week, this Thursday at uh, 7 o'clock. And if you are a member, uh, please make every attempt uh, to be here so we, can, uh, so we can vote on as a church member. It's one of those things that we need to decide on. And uh, so if you can, uh, if at all possible, please try to make it here. Um, but if you're not able to, um, I'll kind of briefly kind of tell everybody what's going on so they'll know what to expect. Uh, but it's going to be kind of like the, the, uh, the infamous rank choice voting. And, and uh, however you feel about it, it is infamous. Um, and uh, so if you can, uh, there's, uh, uh, it's divided as far as whether we're, opinions are divided as to whether to have uh, all carpet or carpet upstairs and vinyl, some type of vinyl downstairs, et cetera. So, um, so if you could, uh, if you're not going to be here, uh, if you could uh, choose your, in, in order of your favorite, like your top uh, three choices of vinyl and the top three choices of carpet, if, you, if you're not going to be able to be here. Uh, and uh, if you are, that would be a whole lot easier, and that's what we'll be doing on Thursday night, and uh, so be in prayer for that, and that uh, we would be able to make short work of that and move on. And they're all numbered out back. So that's right. You can go out back and see what right. numbered, so you'll yeah. yeah. So vulnerable. if you're not going to be there, then yes, I forgot that. Thank you, Dottie. They're all, uh, all uh, noted, and you can just put that on a little, uh, a little sheet of paper and give that to somebody so that... Uh, um, so that your vote can count. And uh, no hanging chads or anything like that this time around. So, all right, any other announcements this morning? Uh, yes, food Alex. Food pantry, amen, good. All right, yes, Donna. Wonderful. Yes, Jane. Okay, by next next Wednesday. Bye, next Sunday, I'm sorry, I heard Wednesday. Okay, good. All right. Next Sunday. Very good. Any other announcements this morning? So good to be here. Let's open with a word of prayer. Our dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to be in your house today. And it's not our house, but it's your house. And we thank you for the ministry of this church for the last 175 plus years. And 
people that have come and gone and people that are now no longer remembered. Uh, but we thank you for your Holy Spirit in their lives and for their faithfulness that we can still have a church here so many years later. We just thank you for the ministry here and we pray that as we, uh, as we continue here, we pray that, uh, that you would help us uh, and give us wisdom as we uh, have our business meeting this week and uh, as we move forward in, in, uh, in having more room to, to do things and have the community come in and we pray that you would just give us wisdom in how we use your facilities and that we would be honoring and glorifying to you and that we would be able to reach out to those around us in this community that don't know you. And that we pray that you would help us to be bold in our faith. We pray that you would just watch over this service this morning, that you would guide our words. We pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through Ian this morning and that we might learn more about you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It says here the scripture reading is next, so we'll do that. Psalm 50, the scripture reading this morning. If you'd like to turn and follow along, I just got a, I've just gone through a long bout of uh, getting my glasses right. And uh, so, well, bear with me. Psalm 50. <clears throat> the mighty one God, the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets from zion perfect in beauty god shines forth our god comes and will not be silent a fire devours before him and around him a tempest rages he summons the heavens above and the earth that he may judge his people gather to me my consecrated ones who made a covenant with me by sacrifice, and the heavens proclaim his righteousness, for God himself is judge, Selah. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against you. I am God, your God. I do not rebuke you for your sacrifices or your burnt offerings, which are ever before me. I have no need of a bull from your stall, or of goats from your pens. For every animal in the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains, and the creatures of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine, and all that is in it. Do I eat the flesh of bulls, or drink the blood of goats? Sacrifice thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you will honor me. But to the wicked, God says, what right have you to recite my laws or take my covenant on your lips? You hate my instruction and cast my words behind you. When you see a thief, you plan to join him. You throw in your lot with adulterers. You use your mouth for evil, and harness your tongue to deceit. You speak continually against your brother and slander your own mother's son. These things, these things you have done 
and I kept silent. You thought I was altogether like you, but I will rebuke you and accuse you to your face. Consider this, you who forget God, or I will tear you to pieces with none to rescue. He who sacrifices thank offerings honors me, and he prepares the way so that I may show him the salvation of the Lord. May the Lord bless the reading of his word today. We're going to be singing three songs together, and we will be starting with hymn number 101. If you'd like to stand and we'll sing, why don't we do verses 1, 3, and 5 of hymn number 101. Let's stand and sing 1, 3, and 5. turn to that was a, that was tricky <laughs> singing that to another tune <laughs> but uh, let's now turn to 333 333 I'm sorry boys I'm off this morning I'm sorry 336 you're right all right let's sing all one three and four
349. Oh, how he loves you and me. Let's just sing the first, just the first and last verse, two verses. 349. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. He gave his life. What more could he give? Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves you and me. Jesus to Calvary did go. His love for sinners to show. What he did there brought hope from despair. Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves you and me. And you may be seated. And would the uh, ushers come forward for the morning offering? And if you have any prayer requests and would like to, you can write them on that slip of paper in the, uh, in the uh, pew right in front of you. Amen. And remain standing. And we'll sing number two in our little our little uh, song pamphlet. Number two, is he worthy? Amen.
number two in your songbook. Uh, notice on these little these little pamphlets. Um, I think a few of them have run off. So I'm hoping not to have to keep making more copies. So try and leave them in your pews, and that way we'll have them week by week. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made new? We do. Is all creation groaning? It is. Is a new creation coming? It is. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? It is. Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave. He's David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Of our blessing and honor and glory, is he worthy of this? He is. Does the Father truly love us? He does. Does the Spirit move among us? He does. Messiah hold forever those he loves he does does our God intend to dwell again with us he does is anyone worthy is anyone whole is anyone able to break the sea
seated. I love that reminder every now and again, just these basic, simple truths. Does the Father really love us? He does. Does the Spirit move among us? He does. We've spent some time now before the Lord in prayer. A couple of, uh, a couple of prayer requests that came through here in the, uh, in the offering. Um, Matt, Matt Wilson and his kids aren't here with us this week. Um, this uh, this is actually the one-year anniversary this weekend of Heather's passing. And so they're with Heather's family this weekend, so be in prayer for them uh, if, you, if you remember them. Um, any, any prayer requests, praises, thanksgivings to remember this morning? Tanya. Uh-huh. So if you didn't hear, prayers for Tanya and AJ. Emily's getting her permit tomorrow, driver's permit. So. Christina. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pray for Wayne Diefenbacher. If you didn't hear, um, he's they've got an, he's on some steroids at the moment that are making him sleep almost all the time, uh, but that are treating a condition he has. But he needs this different medication that's also being used for COVID. So he's not he doesn't have access to it right now, and they're trying to fight through the red tape to get him this medication. So so pray for Wayne and, and for Sue as she supports him. Allison, yep. Pray for Andrea. And we'll pray for you too, Allison. Dean. Okay. Yeah, end of this month sometime. So Deb Palmer and Russ both have upcoming surgeries. We'll be praying for you guys. Any other requests, praises, thanksgivings? Okay. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer. To you, O Lord, we lift up our souls. O our God, in you we trust. We come to you this morning, Father, because we belong to you, and this world belongs to you. To you belong all the greatness and power and glory and victory and majesty because everything in this whole universe, the heavens, in, heavens above, the earth below, it's all yours. Yours is the kingdom 
God, and you are exalted as the King above all kings, the Lord above all lords. You rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. That's why we come to you, Father, to thank you and to praise your name. As we come into your presence, we were made aware, Lord, in the presence of your holiness that we are not holy. We fall short, wandered and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. Too often we, we follow the paths where our hearts lead. We've offended even this week, Lord, against your law. We've left undone things we should have done and we've done things we shouldn't have done. We ask, Lord, that you'd have mercy on us. That you'd restore all those who come in repentance to you. In Jesus' name. And we ask this according to the great promises that you've given us in Jesus Christ. We do that confidently. We know that for all those who confess, who come into the light, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we know that because Jesus told us so. And it's our joy and our relief to trust him for everything in our Christian life. Our forgiveness, our justification, our adoption, our ongoing sanctification, and our eternal destiny. We ask, Father, that for Jesus' sake, while we are journeying in this world, which is not our home, that we would live a godly and a righteous life for your glory. We come to you this morning, Father, with a number of requests, a number of needs in our congregation. We, we uh, praise you and we, we thank you, Lord, for Tanya and AJ and their family and uh, what, a, what an exciting time that Emily has her permit and uh, or is getting her permit tomorrow. Pray that you keep her safe as she learns to drive. Pray that uh, you'd be with Tanya and AJ as they ensure her safety and their own. And uh, just that you'd, you'd be with them and bless their family in this time, that it would, be, it would be more sweet than it is scary. We lift up Wayne Diefenbacher. I pray that you'd be with him and with Sue. Pray, Lord, that you'd, um, that you'd, you'd cut through all the red tape that it's going to take for Wayne to get the medication that he needs. Uh, Lord, both for him to be able to be healthy and for him to be able to be uh, active and doing the things he needs to be doing to uh, to run a business and support his family. And so we pray that you'd be with him. He'd supply his every need, physical and spiritual. Pray for Andrea, Lord. Pray that you'd be with her. Supply her every, every physical and spiritual need. You'd draw her closer to Christ day by day. Be with Allison. Pray that you'd bless her, Lord. Be with her. As she walks through a difficult time, pray that you'd sustain her by your comforting spirit. You'd lead her, Lord, give her wisdom and guidance. Lord, we pray for Deb Palmer and for Russ and their upcoming surgeries. We pray for the, for the whole Palmer family, Lord. Pray that they'd be well. Pray for their physical and spiritual health. Pray that that surgery would go well here in a few weeks. Pray that you give us opportunities to reach out to them, to minister to their needs. Pray for Russ. Thank you for his faithfulness to this congregation. And Lord, we just pray that you'd bless that upcoming surgery, that it would go well, uh, that uh, he would be well, Lord, and restored to, to full health soon. 
Lord, we think of the Wilson family, and we we thank you, Lord, for their, especially Matt's witness, Lord, of faithfulness to Christ through a difficult time. And uh, thank you for, for Heather's example to us. Um, and what an example she was, Lord, when she was with us and facing death in the face, unafraid because of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that she's now with you. Pray that you comfort her family that remains, particularly this weekend. Uh, be with uh, Matt and Paige and Julia and Chandler and be with uh, Heather's parents as well and her whole extended family. That they'd find comfort and peace in you. Pray that you give Matt uh, wisdom and words to say to be able to, to minister that, that peace of Christ which he has about where Heather is to those in Heather's family who may not have that peace. Lord, we thank you for Herm. Thank you that he's feeling better. Thank you for the opportunity we're able to have to, to fellowship with him on Friday nights at the Bible study. And pray that you continue to sustain him physically, Lord, what remarkable progress he's shown. It's amazing. We praise you. We thank you for it. Pray that you continue to keep him well. Um, pray that he'd be even better than he is now. You're the, you're the great physician. There's nothing too hard for you. Uh, I pray that you continue to sustain Donna, give her the spiritual strength and the physical stamina to, to push through what is a, a difficult time as she's caring for Herm. Lord, we pray for Donna and Herm's son, Rick, who has shingles. Pray that you'd be with him. Pray that you'd uh, refine his soul through this physical trial. Lord, we think of Connie Dyer. We thank you for her. Pray that you'd be with her, Lord, as she's still not able to be with our congregation that you'd uh, continue to sustain her. Father, we, uh, we pray for revival in our community, in our nation, in our state. We, we know, Father, first of all, that we're citizens of heaven. This world is not our, our home. One day we will live in the new heavens, in the new earth, in the new Jerusalem. This broken world will not... Um, will not be this way forever. We're just passing through. We're pilgrims in that way. And yet, Lord, for the short time, short years of our lifetimes, this community, this state, this nation is our home. So we want to pray for the good of this little spot of earth where you've planted us. So we, we want to pray this morning for all those who are in high positions over us. We pray your blessing on the Liberty Select Board on Governor Mills, the main legislature. You give them wisdom, how to rule well. We ask your blessing on the United States Senate, the United States House of Representatives, as well as judges on all levels, the Supreme Court, Lord, all those who are in places of authority, that you'd, you'd help them to rule well, give them godly wisdom and counsel, lead them in the right way, counsel them according to your perfect law. We pray as well for uh, President Biden and Vice President Harris, pray that you give them wisdom, Lord, godly wisdom. We pray that you'd be doing a work in their spiritual lives, that they come to see Jesus, acknowledge him as the one true king. We ask that you give our public servants at all levels the wisdom to rule well. That, in the words of Apostle Paul, that we'd be able to live a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And we know that is good. It's pleasing in your sight because you desire all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth.
As your word says, it's an abomination to kings to do evil, for the throne is established by righteousness. So we ask, Father, that you'd keep the hands of our elected leaders from evil and establish their rule in righteousness. Elevate Christians who love your law to serve in many positions of government, that our community, state, and nation would be blessed by righteous governance. Lead our nation to repent of the grievous sins which our government has chosen not to restrain. Tear down the abortion industry, Father, and lead our leaders to see abortion for the evil that it is. Lead our nation to also to repent of the sexual abominations that are celebrated with the flag flown on every street corner. As a nation, Lord, our people celebrate the murder of infants and take pride in the destruction of biblical marriage and godly manhood and womanhood. Just the, the basic building blocks of the, your created order. Have mercy on our nation, God. Have mercy on us. Don't destroy us in, our, in your wrath, but rather bring us to revival. Bring us to revival in this generation, Father, we pray. Finally, we pray for our church body. Pray that you continue to be at work. We thank you for all the, as Steve would say, the postcards from heaven that we see around us, the ways we see that you, you really are at work among us. Pray that you continue to be at work. We pray, Lord, for the business meeting this Thursday. Carpet and vinyl flooring, in some ways, is a, it seems like a, a little thing for a, a church to convene over. But Lord, we know that there are no little things in your kingdom. Uh, th this building, we don't, we don't worship it. If this building were to burn down tomorrow, we'd keep meeting. This, isn't, this building does not a church make. We're, we're the church. And yet, Lord, uh, you see fit to use simple things like wood and glass and sheetrock uh, to, to have a place for us to worship. And we thank you for that. Um, and we pray, Lord, most of all, that whatever the outcome this, this Thursday, whether we have carpet or vinyl downstairs and whatever color it is, we ask most of all that you would be glorified in how we make that decision, that, that our love for each other and our care for each other and our deference to each other would, would say something to each other and to the world about your love for us, Jesus, Pray that you'd be glorified in it, whatever color we end up with. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity to gather. We ask that you'd be at work in the rest of the service. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. The text for this morning's sermon will be found in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, we'll be looking at verses 14 through 29. Mark 9, verses 14 through 29. Gospel of Mark, as we've seen, is an account of the life of Jesus. And if you can believe it, we've been looking at the Gospel of Mark for more than a year now. And we're still moving right through. We've seen uh, Jesus minister to the needs of sinful, hurting people. 
over and over, and we're going to see that same heart of compassion on display this morning. So let's read our passage together. Mark chapter 9. We'll begin in verse 14. Per usual, I'll be reading here from the NIV, which is in your, your Purex, and I'll be reading the rest of the sermon from the English Standard Version. Mark 9, beginning in verse 14. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, it has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus. Everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you teach us by your word this morning. Make us attentive to the work that you're doing among us, the work that you're doing in our own hearts. Grant us the ability by your spirit to hear your word with ears of faith. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. I remember a time early in my walk with God when I was a kid when I worried if my faith was enough for God. I knew I was supposed to be saved by faith, but how much faith is enough faith? Do I have to believe fully enough, with enough spiritual gusto for God to hear me, for God to save me? If I have doubts, does that disqualify me? Maybe that's your concern this morning. 
Maybe that's not exactly your concern. Maybe you're here and you've been a believer for a long time and maybe you've wrestled with doubt, but your faith is firm. But after long years of following Jesus, do you sense that your spiritual life lacks power? Has it been a long time since you recognized a clear, powerful move of God in your life? In our passage this morning, Jesus deals with both of these concerns. At the high point of the passage, the central idea Jesus tried to get across was this, and these are his words. We're going to sit in this this morning as our big idea. All things are possible for one who believes. All things are possible for one who believes. And before we go any further... I think I need to, we need to think about this sentence for a little bit. And I, I want to explain that when Jesus says all things are possible for one who believes, he doesn't mean that faith in God will enable you to do anything you want. In making this statement, Jesus was trying to communicate to the father of this demon-possessed boy who was doubting, that faith is the key which can access great power, in fact, unlimited power from God. And it still is. Faith is the key to access great power through God. God still responds in power to those who come to him in faith. But here's the key. Because we're sinful people, who typically don't know what's best for us. Often, what we want to do in our lives with God's unlimited power is not the same as what God wants to do in our lives with his unlimited power. I'm going to say that sentence again. Because we are sinful people who don't know what's best for us, often, what we want to do in our lives with God's unlimited power is not the same as what God wants to do in our lives with his unlimited power. It doesn't mean his power is limited. It means our desires are wrong. The point here in Jesus saying, all things are possible for one who believes, is that God can do anything. All things are possible with him. There's simply no limit to the amount of healing that he can bring in our lives. And if we come to him in faith, we get access to that amazing, unlimited potential. The clarification here is that faith isn't a superpower which we use to manipulate God into giving us what we want. It's the doorway into God's presence where he uses his unlimited power to give us the healing and provision he knows we need. That's what we mean when we say all things are possible for one who believes. When we enter God's presence by faith, even the greatest sins, hurts, and sicknesses can be healed. There's no limit to what God can do when we come to him in faith. All things are possible for one who believes. And we've seen this principle at work already in the Gospel of Mark, right? People come to Jesus in faith and he heals them. Remember the, the woman with the, with the bleeding, right? Touched just the hem of his cloak, and Jesus turns around and tries to find her and says, 
woman, your faith has healed you, right? Those who come to Jesus in faith are healed. And on the flip side, we've also seen, think back when Jesus returned to his hometown, right? Jesus went to Nazareth, and he wasn't able to perform any great miracles there because of their unbelief. A lack of faith in Jesus leaves us closed off to that unlimited healing power. All things are not possible for one who doesn't believe. So we've already seen this principle at work. But we're going to see this same principle played out in three different ways in our passage this morning. Two groups of people and one individual encountered Jesus in various stages of faith. And found it to be true that all things are possible for one who believes. And that very little is possible for one who does not. So first we're going to see, all things are possible for one who believes. So first, a faithless generation had no power against the demon. A faithless generation had no power against the demon. Verse 14, when they came to the disciples, remember we're picking up here right after the uh, Peter, James, John, and, and Jesus were up on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? Up on the mountain, they saw Christ's glory revealed, but then they came back down the mountain, right back down into the thick of human brokenness and strife. Verse 14 again, when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. We've actually got three groups here at the bottom of the mountain. We've got the nine disciples who stayed below. We've got a crowd of locals there for the show. And a group of scribes, these religious teachers. And if you remember, the scribes were opponents of Jesus. They didn't like that he was rocking the boat. They wanted him taken down. And all three of these groups are just in this mass at the bottom of the mountain, arguing, and enters Jesus. Verse 15, and immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, whoop, all eyes shift, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? What, what's this all about? In response to Jesus, a lone figure emerged from the crowd. Verse 17, and someone from the crowd answered him, teacher. I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. Demon possession, as we've seen in the Gospel of Mark, is a common occurrence during Jesus' ministry. Jesus often cast out demonic spirits. And Jesus had also empowered his disciples to cast out demons as well. Mark 6, verse 13. And they, the disciples, cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So knowing about all this and hearing that Jesus and his disciples were in the neighborhood, this desperate man brought his son to them. Teacher, I brought my son to you, he says. He was actually looking for Jesus when he showed up at the mountain, it was just the nine disciples down below. And apparently they weren't able to do a thing. They weren't able to do a thing for the boy. We're told that the scribes were arguing with them. 
I think they were probably making fun of the disciples for their inability to do anything. You say Jesus is such a great and powerful teacher, even the Messiah, but you, his students, can't do anything about this demon? The scene was quite a mess. A desperate man, hapless disciples, a bunch of scornful scribes, and a disappointed crowd. And Jesus responded, verse 19, And he answered them, O faithless generation! How long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Jesus was frustrated. And the word he used to describe the scene was faithless. Oh, faithless generation. Notice here that he didn't tell off just the scribes or just the disciples. He painted with a broad brush. This whole mess at the foot of the mountain is representative of of the spiritual state of this whole generation. Faithless. Faithless. Lacking faith. The scribes were faithless. Of course, they'd rejected Jesus. And the disciples lacked faith too. We'll see that as we go along. They were unable to cast out the demon because of their lack of faith. They too were faithless, the whole lot. And because of their lack of faith, the demon-possessed boy and his desperate father were still waiting for a healing. Remember the principle, all things are possible for one who believes. But this arguing crowd at the bottom of the mountain didn't believe, and great power from God is not available to those who do not believe. All things are not possible for one who doesn't believe, and so first we see that a faithless generation had no power against the demon. But Jesus didn't just turn away in disgust. He was frustrated. How long am I to be with you? He was frustrated with their faithlessness, but he was not hopeless about their prospects. Look at the patience and the love of Jesus here. He could have just sent them away. He could have just gone right back up the mountain, away from all this human mess, back up into glory. But Jesus has never been intimidated by our human faith, faithlessness, sinfulness, and strife. In fact, it's precisely our brokenness that he came to heal. As Jesus himself said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And he knew there was hope for these people, particularly for the desperate man, his son, and the discouraged disciples. So what did Jesus do? Send them away? No. Listen again to Jesus' response. Verse 19. He answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? I am out of here. Not what he said. How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. Bring him to me. Where's the child who needs the help? Bring him to me. Bring him to me. The heart of Jesus in four simple words. Bring him to me. Friends, that's what Jesus says when you come to him with your sin, with your sorrow, even with your doubts. Even if he has reason to be frustrated with you, he can't help himself because his heart is soft towards desperate people who come to him in need. 
bring him to me. We turn now from the faithless crowd to the desperate dad. Here's the second living, breathing illustration of Jesus' principle in this passage. Remember our, our core principle here? All things are possible for one who believes. And because that's true, a father with wavering faith received deliverance from Jesus. A father with wavering faith received deliverance from Jesus. Verse 20, and they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. This poor boy was enslaved to a spirit which wanted only his destruction. Verse 21, Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And we know Jesus had no lack of knowledge. This isn't Jesus as a doctor seeking a diagnosis, trying to figure out what's wrong. He was the very son of God. He knew exactly what was wrong. Amen. But for our sake and the sake of those who are listening, he had this father recount the whole story. Listen to this father's words. Hear the desperation in his voice. This is a man who simply wants to protect his son and has tried to his son's whole life, but he cannot because of the darkness that tormented him from within. Again here, verse 21, how long has this been happening to him? He said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire, into water to destroy him. And you know the father went in after him, pull him out. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. This man had been waiting probably for hours while the disciples had been attempting to cast the demon out. But he'd been waiting a lot longer than that. This boy had been possessed from his childhood. There's no way this father hadn't already tried everything he could to free this boy. He'd spent years searching for an answer for a cure, finding nothing. He probably would have given up, except for the fact of his troubled son. He'd lost all hope, but he couldn't stop looking for a cure because his son needed help. So he said in desperation with just a sliver of hope, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. And here we arrive at the beating center of this passage. This man had doubts. If you can do anything implies a question. Can you do anything? This man wasn't so sure. So G Jesus gently pushed him. If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Friend, your son can be healed, but do you believe it? Do you believe that I can heal him? Jesus had already demonstrated in his ministry that he healed all those who came to him in faith. He loves to heal those who come to him in need, believing that he's enough. So he asked this man to clarify, man, do you believe it? Do you believe me? 
We've already read his response. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. He believed, but he struggled to believe. He believed, but his faith was not perfect. He so wanted to fully believe in Jesus, wanted to believe that his son could be healed, but he struggled with nagging doubts. I believe, help my unbelief. Maybe you're a super Christian, and this kind of tension between doubt and faith has never been present in your Christian life. But my guess is that everyone in this room has had moments where you could have spoken these words honestly in prayer. I believe, help my unbelief. The stakes for this father were high. The life of his child was on the line. And now Jesus told this father that his faith would be the key. Did he believe? Anything could be possible if he did, but did he? You can hear the question in in the father's plea. I believe, I do, but I doubt too. Help me. Is my faith enough to heal the boy? I'm not sure it is, Jesus, but please help me, though. Help me. If it's not, help me to believe like I should. It was desperate. Remember our big idea, all things are possible for one who believes. The question is, was this man's wavering faith enough? Did it count? Does wavering faith open the door into the presence of God and the opportunity to taste his unlimited healing power? Does it still count if our faith wavers? We down here with our wavering faith want to know. How did Jesus respond to this man's desperate, wavering, honest faith? Verse 25 When Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. The boy healed. The father relieved. His wavering faith, vindicated. His wavering faith was enough. All things are possible for one who believes, even one who believes waveringly. Jesus does not require perfect faith in order to pour out his power in our lives. He doesn't require perfect faith or else none of us would be eligible. Jesus responds to those who come to to him in faith, even a wavering, desperate kind of faith, so long as that wavering, doubt-ridden faith is directed towards Jesus. There's a tremendous power even in the most wavering faith. I want to encourage you this morning. If you're teetering, on the edge of following Jesus or not, and you wonder how much faith is enough. Is my faith enough? Know this. There is a tremendous power even in the most wavering faith. Don't let your imperfect faith in Jesus keep you from going to him. Just go to him. 
Go to him wherever you're at with whatever you're struggling and lay all your cards on the table. Even if you have doubts, I believe. Help my unbelief. Notice what this man did with his doubts. He brought them to Jesus. Help my unbelief. He didn't hide his nagging doubts. He could have. Oh, yes, Jesus, certainly I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt. But that would have been a lie. And Jesus would have seen right through it. Instead, this man came with complete honesty, and instead of hiding his doubts, he brought them into the light and asked for help. I believe, Jesus. i got to be honest. I need help with my unbelief. And in fact, in bringing his doubts to Jesus and asking for help, this man was actually expressing a kind of faith. Jesus, I doubt, but I believe you can help me with that. His first step of faith was actually to bring his doubt to Jesus. Maybe you're a seasoned saint and you feel like your faith is wavering. Or maybe you're just now considering faith in Jesus, but you wonder if your faith is enough. You wonder if the lingering questions to have, that you still have disqualify you. Be encouraged that Jesus responds even to wavering faith. So long as that faith and the doubts which attack it are brought to him. Go to him. That's faith. Just the act of going to Jesus honestly for help is a sign of faith. Fight for faith in Christ with God-directed doubt. Direct your doubts to God. Don't hide them. Don't pretend like your questions aren't there. Doubt is like the noise in your bedroom when you were a kid. It was really scary in the dark. But when you turned on the light, it was always something smaller than you imagined. Oh, that's not a monster. That's just the cat in the closet. Your doubts have their most power over you when you avoid dealing with them out of fear. Bring your doubts into the light of God's presence and let God deal with them. God, help my unbelief. Jesus loves answering that kind of prayer. Jesus is not intimidated by your doubts. I can remember as a kid dealing with, wrestling with this question of faith wondering whether or not I was saved. I didn't know if I had enough faith to be saved. I, I knew the gospel. I knew I was a sinner. I knew that Jesus was the only way to eternal life. I knew that heaven and hell were real. I knew that believing in Jesus, putting my faith in his finished work on the cross, was the only way for me to spend my eternity in the presence of God. And I was petrified because I didn't know if my faith was enough. Was my faith strong enough to save me, to justify me before a holy God? Maybe you're brand new to thinking about Christianity and you have the same question. So let me tell you what I would tell 10-year-old Ian if I had him in front of me. Jesus doesn't require perfect faith. Jesus is the only perfect one. Even a wavering faith in the perfect Savior can save you. It's not the strength of your faith which saves you. It's the strength of your Savior 
Faith in Jesus is less like holding on to a rope and more like falling into your father's arms. Your faith doesn't hold on to Jesus. Your faith falls into Jesus who holds on to you. And if you're willing to let go and be held, he will. That's faith. Are you convicted of your sin and looking for forgiveness? Are you convinced that Jesus is the way to be reconciled with God, but you worry that your faith is not enough? Friend, faith is simpler than you think, and Jesus is better than you think. Go to Jesus, confess your sin, all of it, all cards on the table. Repent of it. Tell him you want to live another way. Pray to be forgiven because of his death on the cross. Plead for him to give you new life. Your faith is probably weaker than you think. But your Savior is definitely stronger than you think. Fall into his arms and he'll catch you. On the way by, this passage is a wonderful antidote to the very popular prosperity gospel, which you may have heard on TV. There's guys out there who teach that if God isn't giving you physical blessing, health, and wealth, it's because you lack faith. Like somehow your faith isn't good enough for God. And this passage sinks that kind of theology like the Titanic. Look at the kind of faith that Jesus required to restore, the, restore this boy to health. The wavering, doubt-ridden faith of a desperate man. Don't let the preachers who are out for your pocketbook convince you that your faith isn't good enough for Jesus. Faith in Jesus isn't some twisted game. Jesus isn't trying to put one over on you. The kind of faith that Jesus is looking for is a simple, desperate plea for help. Jesus, help me. Let's not overcomplicate this. Jesus loves to help desperate hurting, sinful people. There's no secret password. Just go to him. Honestly, throw yourself on him. And that's faith. And all things are possible for one who believes, even one who believes waveringly. We've seen that principle played out in two situations already. All things were not possible for the faithless crowd at the foot of the mountain, but a great healing was possible for the man with a demonized son and wavering faith. Finally, all things are possible for those who believe, so Jesus' faithless disciples were directed towards prayer. Jesus' faithless disciples were directed towards prayer. Verse 28 and when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? Jesus, that was pretty embarrassing back there. What, what were we doing wrong? Why was our ministry so ineffective? We've already gotten half the answer. Remember back at the beginning of the passage, Jesus rebuked the whole crowd for their faithlessness. 
It was their lack of faith which lay beneath their lack of fruit. And that faithlessness showed up in the disciples' prayerlessness. Verse 29, And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. I'm not sure I really got this verse until this week. Think about the implication here. The nine disciples at the bottom of the mountain had attempted to exercise a demon without the power of prayer. They hadn't even tried. What? Matthew records that Jesus said more on this occasion than Mark includes. In fact, Jesus spoke both to the disciples' prayerlessness and to their lack of faith. Matthew 17, verse 19, Then the disciples came to him privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? That was awful embarrassing. Verse 20, he said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have a faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. In attempting to cast out the demon, the disciples made two connected errors. Mark shows us one side. Matthew shows us the other. Two connected errors, prayerlessness and faithlessness. Guys, Jesus tells them, just have a little faith in God. Just like mustard seed sized and you could accomplish great things. Like moving a mountain, speaking hyperbolically. All things are possible for those who believe, even just a little. But apparently the disciples had lacked even a mustard sized faith in the power of God. Which is pretty evident in the fact that they hadn't even prayed to God. Remember that earlier in his ministry, Jesus commissioned these men. He he gave them authority to cast out demons, but apparently they forgot that their authority was dependent on the power of God. They were drawing only on their authority apart from God. And there at the bottom of the mountain, they learned that any ministry which is not dependent on the power of God in prayer will only ever be embarrassingly ineffective and weak. They learned the hard way. I want, to, I want us to ask ourselves a question this morning. Is this, is this a picture of our spiritual lives? Do you feel like your walk with God is embarrassingly ineffective and weak? Consider that one reason for weak spirituality is prayerlessness. God has ordained, he's set it up this way, that one of the main ways he acts for his children in this world is by prayer. And he set it up that way so we would have to see over and over again, day by day, how dependent we are on him. So here's the question. Do you feel like God's not showing up? One question to ask. When was the last time you got alone, got on your knees, and poured out your heart to him? Consider this an invitation. Jesus is available. He will welcome you in prayer when you come to him. He sits, even now, at the right hand of the Father to advocate for us. 
It's the Father's delight to answer our prayers. Will you give him the opportunity? Maybe your spiritual life is fine, but your ministry feels powerless and weak. We all know, right, God has called each one of us, every Christian, to serve him by serving his church and by communicating the gospel to those around us, right? He's gifted us to serve the church, and he's called us to speak the gospel to those around us. We all have a ministry. And if you feel like your ministry to the church and your family and your community is growing dry, if you're not seeing fruit, here's one possibility as to why. Are you in prayer? Do you regularly get on your knees before God, desperate for his help? Desperate for him to move, knowing that great power in your ministry is only available through him? It's very easy to fall into the trap of the disciples, to fall into doing ministry in our own power. And prayer is the antidote. Prayer says to God, I'm not enough. I need you to show up in my life and in my ministry or else it's all in vain. Not just in our own personal lives and ministries, as a church, we need to ask ourselves regularly, going for a checkup and ask ourselves, are we dependent on God for our ministry or are we depending on our own skill and strength? Churches can go a long ways in earthly terms on their own skill and strength. But if we start to go down that road, it will eventually catch up to us and we will find ourselves standing at the bottom of the mountain, embarrassingly ineffective and weak, asking Jesus what went wrong and he'll tell us this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. My friends, I don't, I don't want that to be us. Let's make it our settled conviction to be a church that is wholly dependent on God in prayer. Let's be a people who sincerely believe that unless God shows up, it's all in vain. And let's be a people who put that belief into action by wearing holes in the knees of our pants in prayer before God. Desperate for him to be at work. Desperate for him to be at work in our own lives and in the life of his church. Let's take Jesus at his word. All things are possible for one who believes. Even those who believe waveringly. And as a response to that understanding, let's be a people of desperate prayer. We'll never be perfect in this life, never have perfect faith, never be free of every doubt. But though we will never be perfect, we can be desperate in prayer. We can, like that desperate father, come to Jesus with wavering faith and put it all on the line. Help us, Jesus, you're our only hope. I need to be saved from sin, and you're my only hope. I'm struggling with doubt, and you're my only hope. I'm sensing a lack of power in my spiritual life, and you're my only hope. I'm sensing a lack of power in my ministry, and you're my only hope. Help us, Jesus. You're our only hope.
That's a prayer of faith. That's the prayer of one who believes. And all things are possible for one who believes. Amen? Let's pray. Father, help us. We're desperate for your power. We're desperate for your work in our lives. We're lost without you. Those of us who are Christians, we can remember a time before you, and we never want to go back there. We want to be totally dependent on you for everything. We know we're saved only by grace, only by what you've done for us in Jesus, and we know you're making us more like Jesus, not by anything we can do, but by the power of your spirit in our lives. And so, God, we come to you and we pray again. We we need you. We need you to be at work. Help us to be a people of prayer. Prompt us again and again throughout this week. Lord, remind us, even, even if even if those reminders are going to be hard to bear, remind us that we need to be a people of prayer. Show us that when we try and do it on ourselves, it's not going to work. Be at work among us. Teach us to be desperate before you. Teach us to be people of faith. And then show up, God. Show up and show us that anything is possible for those who believe. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and sing the first and the last verses of 656. Take time to be holy, amen. First and last verses. Christ our Lord.